Hey, if you don't know me, my name is Aaron. I am married, and marriage is good. Amen. And I'm also one of three youth pastors. I'm 0.3 of a youth pastor. And uh, I just want to take a moment to welcome those who are listening or watching online. We're so glad you're with us. If today's message has blessed you in any way, please feel free to get in contact with us. We would love to hear from you. Church, can we put our hands together for those joining in online? You know, I love Pastor Adam's story last week. Um, if you were here, he talked about a couple from Oman. Okay, a couple, from, a couple from Oman who reached out to Pastor Adam to come to conference. You've got to understand, I didn't study geography, okay? And so I'm sitting there in the service. My wife nudges me. She didn't study geography as well. She nudges me. She goes, where's Oman? I thought it was in Auckland, okay? <laughs> Turns out it's not in, in Auckland. It's actually 14,000 kilometers away. How many are thankful that you're sitting in a local church, but the church has a global reach? Come on, somebody. Hey, so about two months ago, I was sitting in the car with a good friend of mine, and uh, we were on a bit of an excursion, okay? We were in the car for two hours, and we were talking for the whole time. That's like a miracle in itself, two guys talking for two hours. We were sitting in the car, and the conversation kind of veered or steered towards talking about future, okay? It started talking about future, what's next in life, and we began to discuss his life in, in particular, and uh, he said a couple of words to me, which really took me by surprise. He said, but my past is colorful. But my past is colorful. It wasn't overly difficult to understand what he actually meant by that, because what he didn't mean was that his past was full of good things, good vibes, and bright colors. Okay, what he meant by a colorful past was that it was one which is full of things he would rather forget. Mostly dull things. And I gave a classic Christian response. A CCR, that's what I like to call it. Okay, I said to him, when he said, my car, my past is colorful, I said to him, just trust God. Just trust God. I fell into the trap of giving a generic, feel good answer. How many know that's not sometimes enough? How many know that's not enough sometimes? And, uh, and don't get me wrong, don't throw tomatoes at me because hear me out. I will preach the need to trust God every single day. Okay, and I believe that we need to trust God every single day. But sometimes, depending on the situation, depending on the conversation, trust God isn't actually enough. And I said to him, you just got to trust God. We finished the, the conversation and we kind of parted our ways. And later that evening, I was thinking about the answer that I gave him. And I felt like I did him a disservice. I felt like I did him a disservice by saying, just trust God. Because it was abundantly clear to me that he saw his past as an inhibitor of where God can take him. He saw his past as, as a limitation of where and how God can use him. In other words, he was of the idea that his future isn't as bright as he was promised. In other words, his, cast, his past is colorful and his future is bright, uh, dull. You know, I really targeted this message for a specific group of audience, okay? And so I've, I've kind of framed it for um, a certain group of people. And so this message is really for anyone here who has a past, okay? And so if you're sitting there and you're like, well, I don't have a past, this message is irrelevant, then I want to say, welcome to the sermon, Jesus. It's good to have you in the room today because I am convinced, I am convinced that there is at least one season. There is at least one decision, there is at least one moment in your life where you just wish it didn't happen. Am I preaching? If you're like me, 
then you've probably got multiple. But if you're more like me, then you've probably looked at that season, that decision, that moment, or that event, and thought, man, the future isn't that bright. The future isn't that bright. Come on, let's pray for God's word this morning. Father, we thank you uh, for your word. We thank you that in moments like this, God, you can speak to us. So we pray, Father, that you would speak to us. We came in these doors, God, a certain way, and we want to leave changed, we want to leave stirred, and we want to leave different. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Open your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 9, verses 19 to 28. Acts chapter 9, verses 19 to 28. If you don't have your Bibles, then shame on nobody because we have the Bible screens on either side of me, a.k.a. the projectors. I got you there. I want to give you a bit of, bit of context to understand the significance of the passages which we're about to read. You see, something has happened. Okay, an encounter has happened. Actually, before I say that, I want to say, as I was standing there, I was starting to think about the Word. Okay, and sometimes we read stories over and over and over again, right? And sometimes you're kind of like, man, I've heard the story multiple times before. But just like music is made to be listened over and over and over and over again, I believe the word was written. The word was written to be read over and over and over again. Can I get some agreement on that? So here we have this, this story where an encounter with a guy has happened, okay? His name is Saul. Now, this encounter has happened on someone that you would least expect. You ever been in the situation where something has happened to someone you least expect? And you're kind of like, what? Like, how did that happen? Out of all people, how did that person get the platform? Out of all people, how did that person get the promotion? Out of all people, how did that person get the role? You ever been in that situation? No? Okay, we've got a, full, a room full of, um, um, I don't know, saints. <laughs> but understand, if you consider yourself a Christian, if you consider yourself a Christian, you want to avoid Saul at all cases. Okay, in all scenarios, you want to avoid Saul because um, Saul is like the type of guy where you see in the supermarket, okay? And now I know I'm preaching truth here. You go into the supermarket, he's in aisle five, right? And what you need is an aisle five. You're not going to go to aisle five. You're going to go to aisle 25, okay? That's how much you want to avoid Saul. Okay, because he would often throw murderous threats at, at Christians or people who, who believed. And his ultimate goal, his ultimatum or his very existence or purpose was to incarcerate believers. If you don't know what incarcerate means, it means to chuck you in prison. He wanted to get you in prison. He was a man on a mission, a Pharisee amongst Pharisee. And at the beginning of Acts, the Bible talks about a dramatic encounter with God, okay? Saul and God, this, this dramatic encounter. And Saul's life is the, the conversion or the, the, um, the encounter is really life-changing for Paul, as you might know. And it really shakes the foundations of his world view. The Bible talks about Saul falling blind. He loses his sight and he doesn't eat for a few days. Now, this is this guy called Ananias that rocks up to the scene, okay? And so God says to Ananias, um, I want you to go and pray for Saul. And Ananias' first response, he's a disciple, he's a believer. His first response is, no way, Jose. No way, Jose. And then God responds in classic God fashion, and he says, go, with an exclamation mark. How many know that when God says, go, with an exclamation mark? Mm, you go. And um, he goes and prays for him. Ananias goes to pray for Saul, and the Bible talks about something like scales falling off his, uh, his face, okay, for, off his eyes. And then so he, he can see again, and he goes and has something to eat, and we pick up the word from there. Actually, the message version, it says that Saul, so once he regained his sight, he went and had a hearty feed. Anybody like a hearty feed? 
I'm like, I read that scripture. And I'm like, I wonder what a hearty feet is. Do you know what comes to mind? Boil up. Boil up. Straight hearty feet. I love boil up. It reminds me every time of a hearty feed. Here, let's get into the word. Acts chapter 9, verses 19 to 28. Thank you, Jesus, for boil up. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. Okay, let me pause there. Understand this. Saul is spending time with those who were at the center of his hatred. Just a few days ago, now he, what he considered something he hated was now something he favored. Verse number 20 says, At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished. They were amazed. They were confused. And they asked, wait, what? What? Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Come on, this is surely a joke. Are we on like a prank show here? Yes, Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. We have a problem here. But Saul learned of their plan day and night. They kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. Just like the disciples in Damascus who were astonished, the disciples in Jerusalem were even more baffled. They were confused. They were dumbfounded. He told them how Saul and his, uh, Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. Thank God for Barnabas. He, took, he told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. Amen. Have we got any uni students here? Oh, okay. Have we got, any, <laughs> we got anyone who has ever been to uni or studied maybe tertiary, at a tertiary level? Yeah, a bit more. Hey, do you know I was, a, I was a uni student almost six years ago? Okay, and if you are a student, you have been a student, then you know, financially speaking, the struggle is real. Okay, any opportunity to save a few bucks, you got to grab that opportunity like your life depended on it. Now, when I was at uni, Wellington, or actually not Wellington, sushi shops in Wellington used to do this thing called half price sushi at 4 p.m. Okay, half price sushi at 4 p.m. If you can't relate to half price sushi at 4 p.m., think mana, think God sent food. Okay, 4 p.m. sushi would go half price, and I'd be sitting in lecture theaters. You got to understand, I didn't eat for the whole entire day because I wanted to get me a discount. So I'd be sitting in the lecture theater 3 p.m., no lies. My stomach would be making weird noises, mostly noises like this. And I'd be sitting down the lecture, at the back of the lecture theater trying to disguise the, 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 the sound that my stomach was making. And so I'd rustle paper and do kind of fake coughs. You ever done that before? <coughs> I was doing that at the back of the lecture theater 3.59 p.m. It doesn't matter where I am. I could be mid-lecture, mid-tutorial, or mid-exam. I would gap out of that room, and I would make a beeline for the sushi shop. That's what I did when I was at uni. If you know me really, really well, you'll know that I am the coupon king. Like, I love me a good coupon. Okay, like, you can ask me to go to KFC. You can ask me to go to Macca's. My default response is what sort of coupons they got. 
Okay, I love me a good good coupon. You ever seen this? Inter- okay, here's the story. Okay, you ever seen this entertainment coupon book? Yeah, like it is a book full of coupons. Now, I had the audacity the other night to jump onto Google and search coupon to buy the entertainment coupon book. I know. That's how crazy I am. If you're wondering whether I found one, hello, I did. (laughs) While I love the discount on a good loyalty program, it's really only secondary, right, to any good loyalty program. Okay, you've got to understand, I've signed up to, to every loyalty program known to mankind. I often open my emails, and I'm scrolling through them, and I'm like, where does, where does this email come from? This is weird. Never seen this before. I'll open the email. Okay, I'll look in the email. It'll say, thank you for signing up to our loyalty program. My response is, no, thank you for the discount. But any good loyalty program, if you know, any good loyalty program is not about giving us discounts, right? Any good loyalty program is to understand what your next behavior is, what your next step in life is is. And how do they do that? Well, they look at the patterns of your past. A loyalty program looks at the pattern of your past. What a loyalty program does is it asks, what did you do in your past? What did you do in your past so we can understand what you're going to do in the future? That's really the primary purpose of a loyalty program. You ever been on Netflix and YouTube? Okay, three of you. Um, it's, you should go to Netflix.com. No, I was in the 8 a.m. I said the same thing. I said, you ever been to Netflix and YouTube? It was silent. I was like, oh, okay, like videos. <laughs> Netflix and YouTube. Okay, you ever been onto Netflix and YouTube, and they have this user-recommended section, user-recommended movies. Basically, how it, what it does is it goes, you watch this movie at that time, at this genre, it was that length, therefore you are likely to watch this movie. It's simply the next logical step based on your past. And in many cases, it's actually quite accurate. Okay? In many cases, the user-recommended section is actually quite accurate. Because here's the thing. Normally speaking, normally speaking, past behavior is a good indicator of what is to come. Normally speaking, past behavior is a good indicator of what is to come. But how many know that the Bible doesn't talk about a normal God? The Bible talks about God of the impossible. The the Bible talks about when God enters the picture, things can shift, things can change in ways that you and I can't even comprehend. Come on, Saul lived the life that would throw loyalty programs into confusion, right? Because Saul's next logical step was not to preach the word. His next logical step was not to claim that Jesus was the Messiah. His next logical step. So his next logical step was to incarcerate, incarcerate believers. And so when he deviated from the patterns of his past, people began to question him. Who is this man? Isn't this the person that did that? Come on, anybody thankful that his thoughts are not our thoughts, neither are our ways his ways? I want to give you two points this morning and make sure you write them down wherever just not on the furniture, maybe on your phone or in your book or whatever. But write them down because the purpose behind these two points is to help you come into a realization that your so-called colorful past is an inhibitor, is not an inhibitor for God's destiny. The title of the sermon is called It's Colorful. Somebody say, It's Colorful. If you've ever had a had a thought, or just even had an inkling of a thought that your past is an inhibitor, or your past is a limitation, make sure you grab hold of the points today, because right throughout Scripture, there's a common theme whereby God uses people beyond the patterns 
of their past. Does anybody agree with that? The first point is this. God can use a colorful life to draw a bright outcome. God can use a colorful life to draw a bright outcome. You ever read like stories in the Bible and thought, really? Like that person? Like sometimes we do what the disciples did, right? When they were dealing with Saul, we kind of look at it and go, how did that person do that? Or how did that happen to that person? You don't actually need to dig deep within the Bible to at least find one character or one person in the Bible. You know, I think if we were to choose disciples today, uh, I think a best case scenario, we would choose two. Okay, two disciples. If you're like me and terrible at decision making, then it's probably going to be one. Because normally speaking, or naturally speaking, humans look at the past behavior of something, and we base our decision making off that. So if something has happened in the, in the past, we go, okay, so this is likely to happen in the future. Here's the logic. The more colorful my past is, the murkier my future will be. That's human logic. The more colorful my past is, the murkier my future will be. Anybody know King David? Not personally, but in the Bible? He didn't have the pedigree of a king, right? King David didn't have the pedigree of a king. He was the youngest and least in his father's house, Saul's past. Saul's past speaks of a Christian persecutor, not of a church planter. When Jesus called Peter, Peter said, depart from me for I am a sinful man. In other words, Lord, don't waste your time on me. You see, we see a lump of clay and God sees sculpture. We see coal. God sees a diamond. We see Gideon hiding out in a wine press. God sees a mighty warrior. We see wavering Simon. God sees a rock called Peter. We see failure. God sees potential. We see a past. God sees a future. Now, I'm not giving an excuse for sin. I'm not giving an excuse for sin, but grace in its purest form is leaving that place and stepping into a place where he wants us. Why? Because his plans are greater than our plans. You know, I believe that it's going to be moments in your life when you look at that colorful past. What seemed weird, what seemed hurtful, what, de- what seemed disgusting at the time is now just going to be a reflection of how good God is. When you get to that point, my friend, When you get to that point, you no longer associate a colorful past with pain, but you associate a colorful past with a bigger palette for God to work from. There is nothing that is too colorful for God to draw a bright outcome from. God shows up in the unlikeliest of situations. He has done in the past, and friend, we know that he will do it again. Amen? God never promises a safe journey, but he promises a safe arrival. And with any good journey, there's twists, turns, bumps, all sorts. It's kind of like driving on a rural road, right? That's the type of journey that we were were promised. And while some things that come your way in life you can plan for, some just come out of midair, right? Like they just appear out of nowhere and whack you off of your feet. Okay, so I used to play rugby back in the day. I don't look it, but I did. Okay, you got to believe me. And, And one of the things I... I didn't love about rugby was getting tackled, okay? And so the, the tackles that came front on, I could prepare for, right? Like I could assess the situation. If the guy was bigger than me, don't run at him, run around him. If he was smaller than me, try run over him, okay? So you could assess the situation where something was coming on front on. But do you know the tackles that hurt the most? 
They call them blindsided tackles. You're running, you've got your eyes fixed that way, and all of a sudden a tackle comes from this way. It folds you in half. It's never good to experience. They are fun to watch on TV, but they suck to be a part of. And sometimes we get into the motion of life. We get into the motion of life where our eyes are fixed that way and all of a sudden something comes from the side and whacks us, comes from the, from the side and blindsides us. Situations and seasons can come unexpectedly. You know when God asked Ananias to pray for Saul, we know that his first response was no. And then God said, go. But understand what God said next about Saul. He said this, this man, referring to Saul, is my chosen instrument. Saul is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. Then God decides to get a bit cheeky next. This is cheeky God. He says this, I will show him, I will show Saul how much he must suffer for my name. I will show him how much he must suffer. Now, I don't know about you, but this doesn't imply a safe journey. There is nothing about that that implies a safe journey. Am I right? And in life, we know that there will always be suffering. There will always be hurt. There will always be difficulties. Let me paraphrase that. See, life is going to be a mix of all sorts. Life is going to be a mix of all sorts. There's all sorts of colors. But what seems like a colorful blob of mess to you and I is simply an opportunity for God to move. What we see as mess after mess after mess, God sees as opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. Remember when you were at school, if you went to school, and uh, the teacher would say, we're going to do the primary colors. You ever, you ever been there? And I remember when I was at school and the teacher would say, we're going to do primary color day. And for some reason, unbeknownst to me, when I would mix colors, it would always end up brown. Okay? And I try and fix it. I try and fix it by adding more color. But it didn't fix it. It just made it more uglier. Okay? And I'm thankful. Come on, somebody. I'm thankful that God can grab this colorful mess over there. He can grab the mess over there. He can grab the mess of this decision. He can grab the mess of this event. He can grab the mess of that season and mix it. And he can mix it to an invaluable piece of work that no one or nothing else can create. Point number two is a deviation from a colorful past can bring unwanted attention. Deviation from a colorful past can bring unwanted attention. Attention. Saul's conversion brought attention from other believers. And the people who believed in Jesus, from the people who saw the miracles unfold, they gave Saul attention. Acts 19.21 in the message version says they were caught off guard. The disciples were caught off guard. And they weren't sure whether they could trust them. They keep saying, isn't this the man? They were caught off guard because God brought a change in Saul's life. They caught others by surprise. God brought a change in Saul's life that caught others by surprise. I'll never forget the time when uh, I went to my friend's 21st, right? I was a Christian maybe for like three months. And I rocked up. You've got to understand, we were boys from way back. Okay, like we were joined at the hips. Everything we did together, we did together. 
and uh, <laughs> and we were boys. And so I rocked up to his 21st, right? And uh, I was there for no longer than 20 minutes. Hey, there for no longer than 20 minutes. He looked at me, and he, and he, for some reason, found out that I was a Christian. I don't know how. I don't really care. But he said to me, you're a good Christian boy now. And he kind of said it in an aggressive way. You've got to understand, I'm five foot nothing. He's six foot something. Okay, so you've got to tread waters lightly. So when he said to me, you're a good Christian boy, I kind of looked up, and I was like, Yeah. I think so. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I am. I'm going to church and, and life's good, man. And I don't really remember what his response was. Maybe it was, okay, let's get wasted. Obviously, I didn't. But I caught him by surprise. He was caught off guard because of the change that God was doing in my life. And the Bible declares that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Guess what? He knows about that season. He knows about that decision. He knows about that thing that nobody knows about, but God's not holding your ransom, somebody. God's not holding you guilty. God's not holding your ransom. God's love is not based on our performance. If it were, if God's love was based on our performance, I wouldn't be here. Don't look at me like that. You wouldn't be here too. We wouldn't be here if God's love was based on performance because God loves us for who He is, not for what we have done. It starts and it ends with Him. You ever met the told you so type of person? Yeah, yeah, told you so. Like, they're the type of people who can foresee the future and then when it unfolds and it happens, they're common, I told you so. It's common in marriages, not mine, but yours, okay? It's quite common. The told you so people are the same as the they had it coming people. They had it coming. Understand this. Someone could have spiraled out of control. Someone could have spiraled out of control. They could be in the deepest, darkest moments of their life. They could have perhaps walked away from the Lord. And someone on this earth has the audacity to say they had it coming. They had it coming as if what happened was always going to happen, as if the outcome was always going to be the outcome. Friends, the only guaranteed outcome, the only guaranteed outcome is being under the grace of God. Are you thankful that God's grace is not because of our own doing, not because of where we have been, but for who He is? People will question change if it doesn't follow the patterns. People will question change when it doesn't follow the pattern, there will be rejection. There might be stuff thrown because a deviation from a colorful past can bring unwanted attention. But when that comes your way, when the stuff is thrown, when the comments are made, when they come your way, friends, that's just a sign that God's working in your life. That's just a sign that God is doing something good in your life. Can I get the, the keys up, please? You know, to, to my friend who I had that conversation with, my past is colorful. To that friend and to anyone that has ever thought that your colorful past was an inhibitor for God's plan, I want to say this. Bad decisions are never without consequences. Bad decisions are never without consequences. But in the frame of grace... In the frame of grace, they are never beyond redemption. 
and the frame of grace are never beyond redemption. You see, the world's concern is looking at your past, thinking how it can predict your next move. Where God's concerned with using you just where you are, just as you are. In 2016, a Princeton sociologist undertook one of the largest human behavior research projects ever. What he did is he he followed 5,000 kids from birth. He looked at thousands and thousands of events in these kids' lives. Things like, were they born in a hospital? Were they named in hospital? What time did they leave hospital? Looked at so many different factors. And the ultimate goal of the research was to figure out where these kids might end up. Where these kids might end up in the results made me laugh because he was hoping that somehow based on any everything that has happened in these kids lives we will be able to accurately describe where they will end up friends the results made me laugh because the re, the lead researcher the sociologist looked at the results and this is what he said he said this is an impressive This is not impressive. This is actually quite sad. And this is actually quite disappointing. He said, what actually showed was an accurate representation of how unpredictable life can be. Of how unpredictable life can be. It is proof that even though the world yearns for predictability, It's impossible to predict where life will go. And your life might not follow the next logical step. It might not follow the patterns of your past. It might not follow what others expect from you. But regardless of what comes next, regardless of what comes next, God is with you every step of the way. I was on the plane a couple of weeks ago. I was sitting behind a father and a son. The son was about three years old. He was kind of that annoying age on a plane when they're real loud and just cry. And they had this conversation between the father and son as we were about to take off. We were sitting on the runway and the son was really, really excited to fly. Okay, like you you could just feel his excitement. And he said to his father, he said, I can't wait to fly. And the father's response was, There's just a few things that need to happen before we fly. There's just a few things that need to happen before we fly. And I started to think about some of those things that need to happen. I started to think about them. The obvious one for me was the wheels. The wheels need a turn in order for the plane to take off. For that young boy to experience the thrill of flying, the wheels must turn. The wheels need to be in motion. And the boy might not feel it. The boy definitely won't feel it. But regardless, the wheels still need to turn. And could it be, my friend, could it be that a colorful past might be a process of preparation? Could it be that a colorful past might be the wheels in motion? 
Could it be that a colourful past might be the wheels turning, getting you ready for the next journey, getting ready for the next phase in your life? And could it be that a colourful past is simply a larger palette for God to work from? And if that is the case, if that is the case, then a colourful past does not mean a murkier future, but instead one that has been set apart and painted just for you. Friends, a colorful past is, is not an inhibitor. It's, it's not a barrier. I love what Shem said during worship. He said we can come just as we are. We come just as we are. We don't need to try and fix up the mess. We don't need to fix up the mess. Because in the frame of grace, a colorful past is unmatched. Amen. 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 Hey, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Father, we thank you for your word this morning. God, for anyone that's holding on to their past, for anyone who has ever looked at a moment, an event, or a decision and thought, God, you can't use me. God, this is limiting you. I pray, Father, that you would break them free from that by your power. God, would you free them? We thank you, God, that we can come just as we are. The fact that you see mess after mess after mess is opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. So we thank you for who you are. We thank you that even today, encounters are still happening right across this world. Can you hear your heads bowed? And I want to give everyone here an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. What do I mean by that? Well, really, you're saying, if you put up your hand, you're saying, I want to follow Jesus. You might have perhaps fallen away or maybe you've never made the decision for on the count of three I'm going to ask if you could raise your hand if you want to say yes to Jesus if you want to say I want to follow you Jesus you are my Lord and Savior understand understand this it's not about your mess it's not about your colorful past it's about how good God is I had a friend a couple years ago and I invited her to church and she said to me I'm too bad for church. I have to figure it out first. I have to clean up my life first. Friends, it's not about cleaning life up. Do you want to say yes to Jesus? Do you want to get right to Jesus? Get right with Jesus this morning. If that's you, on the count of three, I'm going to ask that you raise your hand. I'm not going to get you to come down the front. I'm not going to get you to stand up. I just want to know who I'm praying for. So if that's you, on the count of three, can you raise your hand? One, Jesus loves you. Two, he has a plan and purpose for your life. Three, this will be the best decision you'll ever make. Can I see hands nice and high? Awesome. I see that one to the left. Three in the middle. Awesome. I'm not going to rush this. I'm going to leave it open. Is there anyone else? Fantastic. Let's pray as a church 
And I love praying as a church because there is something behind it, something behind corporate prayer, right? So let's pray as a church. Can you repeat after me? Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. This day forward, I follow you. I thank you for the cross. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. I thank you that you bring me forgiveness from what I have done. This day forward, my eyes are fixed upon you and all that I do. Lead me and guide me in all of my ways. And all God's people said, Amen. Hey, can we put our hands together for everyone who committed to Jesus this morning, who said yes to Jesus. There is a party in heaven. Come on, somebody.